It's good to see everybody out uh, this morning. I know some are out of town, and uh, we wish them uh, safe travels. Uh, we know others that are not feeling well today and decided to stay home, and so uh, we need to remember them in our prayers. Uh, but we're thankful that everyone is here, especially our visitors. We are always welcome to, at the Ridge Road uh, congregation here, and we invite you back at each and every opportunity that you have to be with us. Tim mentioned that tonight will be our last service, uh, uh, worship service, uh, on Sunday for this year. And realizing that, I thought about preaching on life is a vapor, because we realize that life is short. But then I want us to look at a different look at something else that we see there in Haggai chapter two. That's a question that's asked: How do you see it now? I'm sure that when we look at the beginning of the year 2021, it looks different to us now than it did way back in January. We can see all the pounds that we lost and then gained back. We can see all the promises that we made and commitments that we made that sometimes we broke. We can see the hopes and dreams and the disappointments and sorrows that took place throughout the year. I would imagine that at the beginning of the year we had hopes that that pandemic would be done away with and we would be done with it. I'm afraid it's going to be something that we're going to have to live with for the rest of our lives. But as we look at the question, how do you see it now? How does the year 2022 look to us? As we look forward to the prospect of that new year, what do we see? Do we see gloom and doom? I know that there's a lot of prophets that are out there saying that 2022 is going to be a, a bad year with COVID and inflation and, and uh, threats of war and taxes and all these things that are going to happen. But how do you see it? You see 2022 as despair and no hope? Or do you see it with clouds or sunshine? What do you see when you look back? And what do you see when you look forward? Behavioral scientists tell us, or they've discovered, that we usually see things as we prepare ourselves to see them. There's actually a part of our brain that allows us to see things that we, as, as we want them to be. For example, if you're going to buy a new car, and you decide that you're going to buy a particular make and a particular model and a particular color, all of a sudden with that suggestion in your mind, you'll be driving down the road and you'll see all of those cars that, that look like that. You know, you go buy a new car and you think it's the only one out there, but the minute you drive it off the lot and you drive down the road, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. You go to the parking lot to get in your car and you've got to figure out which one is yours. But that's what happens in our minds. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that we see things that we want to see. We see things the way we want to see them. And so if we look at the year coming up, and if we've looked at the past year as gloom and doom, that's what we're going to see. But we have the potential to see the good. 
We have the potential to see the, the, the great things that can happen as opposed to just dwelling on the negative. You see, psychologists tell us that if we see ourselves as successful, if we see ourselves as strong and healthy, chances are good that that's the way that we'll be. But on the other hand, if we see ourselves as failures and we see ourselves as weak and sickly, chances are pretty good that that's what we'll be. And so we are sometimes what we think we are. And so I ask the question today, how does it look to you now? And then I want us to look at three different areas. Number one, first of all, how do you look at yourself? When you look in that mirror, what kind of person do you see? And you need to be honest with yourself when you look in that mirror because sometimes that's not easy to do, to be honest with ourselves. And whether it's that physical mirror or even the mirror of God's Word, what do you see? How do you look at your life? Do you see someone that, is, uh, that it feels good about life? Do you see someone who is weak and constantly failing? Or someone who is not worth very much? Because I think sometimes that's what we feel about ourselves. That I'm not what I'm supposed to be and I just I feel awful about myself and I cannot be what I should be. Do we see an eager, optimistic person who can hardly wait for the next day because they have so many things to do and they look forward to doing those things? What do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror? I've heard people say things like, why, I can't do that. That's just too hard. Well, I've heard other people say, I know it's, I'm hard to get along with, but that's just the way I am. And don't expect me to change. I believe that if we put God's Word in our heart, and we have the determination to follow that scriptures or those Scriptures, that He can change our lives. That we don't have to remain as a failure in our own eyes. And God will help lift us up. And God can bring about dramatic and drastic changes if we will allow Him to do so. I think that you can look at the life of Saul of Tarsus, who was persecuting the church, but when you look at his life, you can see that God changed his life. He made a difference in his life. A person that had made havoc of the church. We talked a little bit about him this morning in our Bible class. He made havoc of the church. He consented to death. He, he captured people that were Christians and wanted them put to death. He wanted to destroy God's people. He was a wicked individual. But you can see that he changed his life. That God could change him when he was determined to change. You see, when he saw that light, he was told to go to the city and there he would be told what he must do. And when Ananias came, he told him what he needed to do. And he said, Why tarry thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. And then he immediately gets up and he starts doing things that are right in God's sight. You can do the same thing in your life too. 
But a lot of that depends on what we see. Depends on what we see when we look in the mirror. Do we see someone that God can change? Do we see someone that God can help? Do we see some someone that God can make succeed? And when I say succeed, I'm not talking about financial. I'm talking about getting to heaven. You see, God can do that for us. I want to challenge us with scriptures this morning. We get to the right one. In Philippians chapter two and verse thirteen, God says something that God tells us there that there's something there that can influence us. And in that passage of scripture. He says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. That passage of Scripture tells us that God works in us if we will allow Him to do so. And when you look in that mirror, do you see someone that is allowing God to work in your life? Or are you someone that resists God and says, I want to do it my own way and my way is going to be better than His way? You see, God will work in your life if you will allow Him to do so. And He wants to work in your life. And He tells you that you're a valuable person, that He needs you or wants you to be a part of His kingdom. He wants you to be a part of the body of Christ. That's how valuable you are. Jesus died for your sins. And as a member of the body of Christ, He can help us in this life to succeed. And remember, the definition of my succeed is heaven. What's he tell us in Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. He says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if, ye, if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So what does God say about you and me? He says that we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Now, when we look out there in the world, we see a lot of darkness. We see a lot of evil. We see a lot of sin. We see people doing things that they shouldn't do. And in fact, we see things weekly now that we can't even imagine that people would be doing. But they're doing those things. And God says that we're, you, me, His people, are to be a light out there in that darkness. That we're to make a difference in the world. Do you see yourself as someone that can make a difference in this world? You say, well, I can't change everybody. You don't have to change everybody. But you can change the people that you come in contact with. And sometimes it's just by the life that we live. I believe that we have to say words sometimes. We have to talk to people. But sometimes the life that we live demonstrates that there's something different about us. And when they see that light, hopefully they're drawn to that light. I remember years ago hearing in the news about a ferry boat that had taken a bunch of people in India out somewhere. They were going from one island to somewhere else, and it capsized. And an individual had gotten swept away so many miles from shore, but he saw a light on the shore. And that's all he saw was that light. And that light gave him hope. And he worked and worked and worked till he got to where he could be rescued because he went to the light. That's what we need to be in this world. Because there's a lot of people out there that just feel hopeless. They look in the mirror and they see a loser. They see someone that's not succeeding. 
that they don't have that peace that passeth all understanding. You can be that light in the world, the salt of the earth. Do you see yourself that way? So we're not going to go around saying, well, that's the way I am. You just need to accept it. You need to realize that God can change us. And He'll help us. And He'll walk with us through this life. Many years ago, two boys, they were brothers, <clears throat> decided to pour kerosene in a potbelly stove to build a fire in the schoolroom because they got there early and it was cold. And they poured what they thought was kerosene on the fire, but it turned out to be gasoline and the stove exploded. The older brother was killed and the other one was left with badly burned legs. Doctors told his parents that he would, they needed to amputate his, his leg right away or his whole body would become infected. The parents said, let's wait a day. The next day, the doctor says his legs need to be amputated. The parents said, let's wait another day. And that went on for several weeks until finally the doctors discovered that the legs were healing. And the doctor said he'll keep his legs, but he'll never be able to walk. And after some time, the boy was standing and hobbling around on crutches. The doctors changed their prediction well, he may be able to walk, but he'll never be able to walk without crutches. But within a few weeks, he was walking without crutches. And then the doctor says, well, he may be able to walk without crutches, but he'll never be able to run. But then he broke into a wobbly jog, and soon he was running. That boy's name was Glenn Cunningham. And he set world track records back in the 30s. He set a world record in the mile run in 1934. 1936, he set a new world record in the 800 meter run. In 1938, he set a world record in the indoor mile on a run. And in his day, he was called the fastest human being on two feet. Sometimes we allow others to defeat us. Sometimes we need to be determined ourselves that with God's help, we're going to do what we need to do or what He wants us to do. His favorite scripture was Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. I'll let you look that up yourself. You see, with God, everybody, every one of us has potential. And God can even take a crippled body and shattered lives and with them change the world. So how does it look to you now when you look in the mirror? How does it look when you, to you now when you look back over the course of the year? And how will it look to you in the future as we move forward, Lord willing? What do you see? And be honest with yourself. Second question is, 
How does the world look to you? The Bible teaches us in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. To God, the world looked like someone that needed a Savior, and so He sent His Son to die on a cross for you and me. And when we look at this world, like I said earlier, we can see darkness. We can see sinful people. We can see sinful things. We can see evil. We can see all kinds of bad things. Again, we see many times what we want to see. And sometimes we don't see the good because we haven't programmed our mind to look for the good. I still believe that there's good out there. Because if there was no good, I believe God would end it all as He did with Noah and the ark. But the Bible teaches us that God loved us and God sees the world as redeemable and each of us as channels through whom His message of love can be sent. That's part of being the light of the world, the salt of the earth, taking that gospel message into the world. You and I as Christians have that potential to take the gospel to the lost. You see, everybody doesn't have to stand up here in front of somebody to do that. You can talk to your neighbor. You can talk to your friend. You can talk to your family member. You can talk to somebody about the love of Christ and what God did for you and how He saved us all because of His Son that died for our sins. And they can have that salvation also. So do you, how do you feel or what do you feel when you look at the world? Do you feel anything at all? One of the crippling influences that we have in this life and in the church is indifference to the cause. That we see the world out there in the situation that it's in. We see them lost. We know that they need to hear the Gospel. We know that we're supposed to take it out there. But there's a problem that we have. It's apathy. As long as my world is secure, as long as I'm comfortable then I don't really give the world a second thought. And that's really the attitude that some people have. Tim Hansen in his book tells a story about a group of boys in his high school class. He was a teacher. And as a teacher, he realized that his students were uninterested in anything that he had to say. That when he came to the classroom every day and he started to talk, you could just see that they weren't paying any attention. They were totally uninterested. And so he decided that he was going to try to get their attention. And whatever he tried, it never worked. And finally, one day, he walked into the classroom and in desperation wrote the word apathy in great big letters on the board. And then he turned around and looked at the class. And there was one big guy in the class he was a senior, just about to be released into the world through graduation, but squinting at those big words and reading them aloud, he said, apathy. And he scratched his head for a moment, and then he spelled it out, A-P-A-T-H-Y. He turned to his buddy and said, Apathy. What does that mean? The kid next to him says, I don't know and I don't care. That's really our problem sometimes. 
In the church, we look at the world. We know that they need to hear the Gospel. We know that we need to be an example as we go out into the world. But we look out there and we kind of just say, I don't care. Let somebody else do it. You know that each one of us as an individual here comes in contact with people that all the rest of us as individuals are not going to come in contact with. Your life touches so many people that mine will never touch. Mine touches people that you'll never touch. There's some overlap, obviously. But what if we all just decided that we're going to teach someone the Gospel or at least introduce them to the Gospel? What a difference that would make in this world. You think about the apostles. Start off with 12, and they turn the world upside down for Christ. In fact, we find in Colossians where everyone heard the Gospel. If everyone heard the Gospel today, would you have been a part of that message going out into the world? Or are you one of those that you don't know and you don't care? So look around. Who really cares that the suffering and the lost are crying out for help? And who cares about the situation in our world? In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Therefore said He unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Brother, people need to hear the Gospel. And Jesus says that harvest, it's white under the harvest. It's ready to be picked. We run into somebody that says they don't care, they don't want to hear about it, and we stop. We may hear that message over and over and over. I don't want to hear about it. Don't tell me about it. Sometimes you've got to get creative and sparking their interest. Sometimes people go out and they tell everybody what's wrong with the church or what's wrong with brother or sister so-and-so instead of telling them about what's right with God and what's right with Christ and what's right with the church. Brother, we need to tell people the good news. What do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look at the church? In Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That gospel has the power, is the power of God unto salvation, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. That gospel message can save souls. It can change lives. It will make this world a better place. Oh, everybody's not going to hear it. Not everybody, don't, not everybody wants to go to heaven. But we can make a difference in some people's lives. So what do you see when you look at the world? Is it an opportunity? Is it a challenge for the church? Is it the world... Is it a world that to be reached with a message of Jesus Christ? Or do you care? Does it make any difference at all if you've taken the Gospel out of the world? And then when you look at the church, the church that Jesus built, the church that Jesus died for, what do you see? Our text is an interesting passage of Scripture there in Haggai. 
Because God instructs the prophet to speak to Zerubbabel, to the high priest, and to all the people. The occasion is this. that They had been set free from Babylon. They had been allowed to go to Jerusalem and their mission was to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple when they went back. And so God says to the prophet Haggai, speak to them and ask them first this question, how many of you remember what the temple was like before it was destroyed? Well, we've read about it in our Wednesday night class. We've studied about that, the temple when Solomon built it. And we've seen where it was destroyed and then we see that they've gone back to rebuild it. But can you imagine what that temple looked like with all the gold and stuff that, that Solomon had put in that temple? And the prophet's asking them, God wants to ask them, do you remember those days? And maybe that's a good question for us. What do we remember about the good old days, if you want to call them that, in the church? When gospel meetings lasted more than three days. Where you talk to people on the street and they heard that you were from the Church of Christ and they knew immediately that you were a book, chapter, and verse kind of individual? Do they still see that in our lives? They saw somebody that cared about their soul and they saw the love that you had for their soul. It wasn't just a, I want to win an argument. It was you were concerned about them and you were willing to take the time to teach them. We've seen that in the past. But what do we see now? And I would imagine when Haggai asked that question, how many of you remember what the temple was like before it was destroyed? I would imagine several hands would have went up. There were some who could remember when the temple stood in all of its glory and the people came to worship and to sacrifice and prayers rose up to God. I'm sure many of us from other congregations can remember congregations that were full. I can remember several that had 600 or more on Sunday. It wasn't here. We don't have room for 600. But I can remember a day when there was even more than what we have on the board. Remember those days? We get closer to heaven. Sometimes we get a little lax. You see, those were exciting times for the children of Israel. And God asked, how does it look to you now? How does the church look to you now? How does this congregation... I'm not talking about all those others. How does this congregation look to you now? What they say, or what they saw, when they went back to Jerusalem was just a pile of rubble because the temple laid in ruins. But then three times God says something. God says, be strong. He says, be strong to Zerubbabel. He says, be strong to the high priest. And He says, be strong to the God's people. Be strong. Don't give up. You see, here's the reason that you can be strong. And this is what God said, I'm with you. And brethren, we can be strong. 
We can look in that mirror with determination that we're going to change because God's with us. We can look at the world and see those that are lost and they need to hear the gospel. We can take that message out there. We can be strong because we know that when we go out there with God's Word, that God is with us. As a congregation of God's people, if we're doing what He wants us to do, God is with us. And so we can be strong. And we can look forward to the year. Yeah, there may be higher taxes. Yeah, there may be a pandemic. Yeah, there may be inflation. Yeah, there may be wars. There may be all kinds of things. But God will still be in control and He will be with us. God says, I've made a covenant with you. My Spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to shake the sea and the dry land. I'm going to shake all the nations. And then he said, The desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. How do you feel about the church? As you look around, what do you see? Do you see just a building? Or do you see a room full of people with the potential to make a difference in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, with the glory of God or for the glory of God? What do you see when you look at the future? Do you see a human being who hasn't much potential at all? Or do you see someone who is living the love of God? and serving God with all the love that they have for Him. What do you see when you look at the world? Do you see destruction? Do you see despair? Or do you see unlimited potential? A world that can be redeemed by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's an important question because we see things that we are prepared to see. And what you see is what you get. 2022 is unfolding. It's almost upon us and it's just ahead. But the way I see it, with God's help, we can make a difference in this world. With God's help, I can change my life and you can change yours. You see, nothing is impossible with God. And He awaits for a willing church to answer His call, to respond to the challenge that He's issued to each one of us, and to reach out into the world that desperately needs to hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a nurse who worked with young children in the pediatrics ward of a hospital. And she said that when she worked with the pediatrics ward, before she listened to the hearts of a little one or put the stethoscope to their chest, she would take it and place it in their ears and let them hear the beating of their heart. Their eyes would always light up in awe. She said, I never got the response to equal four-year-old David's. I gently tucked the stethoscope in his ears and placed the disc over his heart. She said, listen. What do you suppose that is? 
He drew his eyebrows down with a puzzled look. He looked up as if lost in the mystery of the strange tapping, tapping, tapping deep in his chest. And then all of a sudden, his face broke out in a wonderful grin. And he said, Is that Jesus knocking on my heart? Somewhere in his life, he'd heard the story that's recorded in Luke or Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus is standing knocking at the door. And most preachers, including myself, have said that that's God or Jesus knocking at the hearts of individuals wanting to come in. And you can only open that door from the inside. Jesus doesn't force His way in. He's not going to have a battering ram where He forces His way into your heart. You have to open it yourself. And I ask you this morning, have you opened your heart to Jesus Christ? He says that we can be saved, that we can have a home in heaven, that He'll help us, He'll never forsake us, He's always with us. But the question is, are we with Him? Tonight, if you're, or this morning, if you're not a Christian, Jesus tells us what we need to do, and He tells us, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Put your trust and faith in Him. Turn from your sins. Stop doing those things that you know are wrong. Repent of those things. Confess the name of Christ before men, and then be buried with our Lord in baptism to have your sins washed away. That's the only place that we see where that takes place. It's through the act of baptism. And so this morning, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to take those steps. And maybe you are a Christian and you look in the mirror and you're not what you want to be. You can determine today that you can change. And you can make that determination between you and God. And if you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. Because we want people to go to heaven. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And I hope you want to go there too. And so this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand.